with Nicole Nelson. It's great to have you here. And uh, this is uh, the first episode of the podcast, Real Life Fables. I'm trying to remember the first time that I saw your name pop up on my Facebook feed. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was one of my friends who liked one of your events and uh, the name uh, caught my attention. Mm -hmm. And do you want to guess which event it was? Oh, are you talking about the Cock Project? No, or, before oh, that. Sexual, well, it's either the Cock Project or Sexual Empowerment Circle. Or, was it a different? Oh, no, that was it. It was Sexual Empowerment yes. Circle. Okay. Yeah, my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, and it sounds kinky at the, you know, the first time you look at it, you're like, Sexual Empowerment Circle, what does that mean? Is that mm -hmm. people who get together and mm -hmm. get naked? <laughs> <clears throat> but it's not. Uh, once I clicked it and I looked at it and I saw the description I kind of realized, wow, that's really powerful. Uh, would you like to explain to the listeners what it is? Yeah, Sexual Empowerment Circle is a monthly event hosted by me and Michael B. And it's where we gather for discussions about sex, love, and relationship. And the way it works is people who come are given a piece of paper to write their question on. And they can include their name if they want, or they can choose to remain anonymous. And then they throw the question into the bowl. And then we go through each question one by one and discuss it as a group, giving multiple answers and different perspectives. And well, yeah, you've, you've been to quite a few, you've seen how, um, how many different questions have come up. It's very, uh, very diverse, I think. Yeah, I, uh, the first time or the first couple of times I showed up, I actually had questions lined up. Like I wanted to know because I, I've, I've been in a long term relationship that has recently ended and I kind of, uh, you know, as I was married. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, Are you talking about the other one? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, that one is still going. Um, I was in a long-term relationship, which ended, and I kind of found myself, uh, you know, back in the scene. And uh, it's been a while since, uh, you know, I considered a lot of the topics that we end up talking mm -hmm. about in Sexual Empowerment Circle. So um, I came in to ask questions and... Um, I found it very interesting and uh, very useful because I know that, uh, well, personally, I surround myself with friends who are like me. Mm -hmm. You know, we get along, obviously, for that reason. Um, so I don't get like a very diverse um, response, you know, mm -hmm. from them. But when I came to your event, I was uh, surprised how, uh, you know, the, the spectrum of, of answers that we mm -hmm. got and different personalities. So mm -hmm. I came for questions and I stayed to learn. Mm -hmm. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, there's uh, a lot of our circles. The age range is significant. You know, I think at our last one, we had some girls who were like 19 or 20 and then we have had gentlemen who are in their 60s. And it's so fascinating to me to watch them dialogue about their experiences and where they're at in life. And <laughs> yeah. I think it just adds such a fun, positive energy to have people from such different age groups talking about their experiences with sex, love, and relationship. Totally. And I really like, uh, I think one of the main reasons why I immediately gravitated towards that thing is because I saw the word circle. I love circles. <laughs> like just put the word circle in anything and I'll show up. It's just such a good um, way to interact because, you know, there's no hierarchy. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's, you know, peer to peer. Uh, there's no leader. Everybody's facing each other. It feels really comfortable and mm -hmm. inclusive. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of what I felt. Um, you know, we were uh, came into the house. Uh, it's very warm and welcoming and we sat down on the floor and we all sat down and, and talked um, very uh, openly and honestly about things that are very hard to 
sometimes discuss mm -hmm. even with friends. Mm -hmm. So that was really great. Um, do you have, um, just uh, for people who are curious, do you have an example of one question that might have been asked? Maybe you can use mm -hmm. one from last time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I'll just, I, I try to, when people ask for examples of questions that are asked, I usually just say the questions that I myself have asked due to confidentiality. I don't want to upset someone if they hear this and go, wait, that was my question. It's supposed to be confidential. So some questions that I have asked are, how do I, um, I constantly feel like I'm just too much. I'm too um, overwhelming. I'm just too much energy. I'm too loud. I'm too intense. And I constantly find myself in situations more so with men than women where I feel like I have to tone myself down, really like suppress my true nature just for the sake of not scaring them off, you know? So that was a question I had is how, how do I navigate that? Um, We've had lots of questions about polyamory. We've had questions about, well, the last one we talked about, STD. So you have some like your basic stuff. But then we've had questions about how do I stop looking to others to fulfill my sense of self-worth? Mm. You know, Really, the, the sexual empowerment circles have, have really been, like the title says, been very empowering for me. And <laughs> um, I, uh, I know that uh, one is coming up tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if the podcast will be released uh, before then. But um, if someone would be interested in attending, mm -hmm. uh, how could they find out about it? Mm -hmm. So right now, we... I really need to make a Facebook page because we have a Facebook group because it's pri but it's private. So I'm pretty sure if someone just Googled sexual empowerment circle or went on Facebook and typed in sexual empowerment circle, they could find some post about it or come across an event. But probably the best way if you were interested in joining a sexual empowerment circle would be to send an email to sexualempowermentcircle at gmail.com and I'll spell it out, S-E-X-U-A-L-E-M-P-O-W-E-R-M-E-N-T-C-I-R-C-L-E at gmail.com. <laughs> I really felt the need to do that for some reason. <laughs> uh, so email, email me at sexualempowermentcircle at gmail.com And I'll send you all the information if you can't find it online. We host them once a month, and they happen at a private residence in Claremont, San Diego. Awesome. Uh, since we're on the subject of um, sexuality, um, I wanted to ask you, um, what does sex positivity mean to you? Simply put, that when someone starts talking about sex, it's not, it doesn't make people uncomfortable. That's what I think about uh, for when I hear the term sex positive, it's okay, I can talk about sex and people aren't going to be uncomfortable. Mm. And uh, as far as actually uh, living that lifestyle, sex positivity, you're, um, you said that you want to major in? Well, my major is human development because there's not a whole lot of human sexuality majors. <laughs> um And for whatever reason, I was just very drawn to the human development major. But my, see, school, my, my school path is, has less to do with my career path. It's more like something I wanted to do for myself. I'm going to school because I'm interested in studying human development. But my career path I am interested in pursuing is, has to do with being a sex educator and not necessarily like you know, teaching sex ed at a high school, but something maybe working with a nonprofit or doing workshops, who knows, something like that. That's great. Mm -hmm. um, okay, uh, switching topics a little bit. Uh, let's see. Love. Because mm -hmm. that, that is part of the discussions, mm -hmm. right? It's sex, mm -hmm. love, and, and, relationship. and relationships. Um, how do you feel about the concept of unconditional love? Is that actually possible or is this an ideal that everybody should strive for? I will, I think in general the term unconditional 
if we're, I mean, if we're speaking literally, I think there's very few things about a human being, about a human being's emotions that are unconditional. Emotion, love is an emotion. It's a feeling. And feelings are like water. They're constantly flowing and moving around and ending up in different places. So to say that any human emotion is unconditional is a bit bizarre to me. I think that there's a part of us that will always love something. I'll always love my sister. I'll always love my brother. But where it gets interesting is the chemistry behind the feeling of love. The more I learn about how the brain works, the more I realize that this feeling that we call love is just this series of neurochemical reactions. And I know that sounds a bit boring, but I actually think it's really fascinating how this feeling that can feel so out of this world and spiritual and almost like being on a drug is just what's going on in our brain because of evolutionary adaptations to evolutionary adaptations to help us continue to procreate because you know that's that's why that's why um or organisms evolve it's all about to produce more, to produce more, to produce more. And this feeling mm. of love has to do with that. Um, so in a sense, unconditional love is hardwired into our brain. But, you know, as so many of us know, the the Hollywood ideal of unconditional love, mm. it can often end up to be some bullshit. Right. <laughs> it can... It, um, you know, everything, I think everything, there's two sides to every coin. There's yeah. the light side and there's the shadow side and there's a beautiful, positive light side to the concept of unconditional love. But then there's the shadow side, you know, so many people stay in relationships that are harming them or not fulfilling them because of this idea of unconditional love. And, you know, I saw, oh gosh, I want to get my phone because I saw something the other day that Okay. It fits so beautifully with what we're saying. Hold on. Okay. Okay. So I saw this quote, oh, probably on Facebook or something. It says, let me be clear. My love is unconditional, but your presence in my life is not. The moment that you prove that your value of me doesn't measure up to my sense of self-worth, I'll have no problem unconditionally loving the memory of you and moving on. Ouch. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, I, I thought that was very beautiful. And that's how I have felt many times in relationships is, you know, I, I love you. I'll always love you. Um, it's very easy for me to love people and to to always have loving feelings for them. But that has nothing to do with how I'm being treated in this relationship or how this relationship is serving me. And I think anytime I've gotten out of a serious relationship, it wasn't because I stopped loving the person. It's we're not compatible or we're going, we want different things or you're, you have some fucking issues and you're taking them out on me and I need to remove myself from this situation. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I feel the same too. Um, uh, For me, you know, thinking about that concept, unconditional love, it, it feels like an ideal that's you know, we could strive for. Um, but it's never really, I mean, if you take the word condition and you replace it with boundary, you know, you're saying unconditional love means love without boundaries, personal boundaries, which means that the other person can harm me or, you know, just make my life completely miserable. And then I have to love them regardless so that's not acceptable for me i i feel like boundaries or conditions conditional love is healthy as long as it's communicated well i think love based on on good communication and uh you know uh 
a good description of of you know where everyone stands and the needs and the wants and you know the what are the you know the red flags are so that everyone is on the same page and you know keep that communication going because like you said everyone changes over time mm-hmm. um also um something about unconditional love um is you'll find that people who ask for conditional love the people who say if you love me implying unconditionally then you'll do this for me mm-hmm. you know you know you'll um you know a b c whatever it is yet you know the very same person that's asking that has put a condition on you mm-hmm. by asking you know it, whenever you have an if then sentence that's a condition mm-hmm. you know so they are not loving them unconditionally because they're asking mm-hmm. you know if you love me it's kind of it, it feels like uh it's most definitely a condition. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, I'm still kind of uh, navigating that, that territory. I, I feel like I do want to uh, definitely train my heart to forgive and accept people, you know, for who they are. Uh, that's really important. Um, and I, I would love to also grow myself um, and open my horizon to other possibilities so that I may uh, be able to accept uh, other lifestyles Mm -hmm. and uh in that way i'm growing to love more Mm -hmm. um, outside my original circle you know it's interesting something i'm thinking about right now as we're talking about the concept of unconditional love is the relationships that i've seen that i i aspire to have relationships like that. every relationship has their issues but there's some relationships that are incredibly abusive and unhealthy and then there's some relationships that i i see and i'm like i i want a relationship like that that's that's what i'm aiming for right yeah. and the relationships that i feel are healthy and stable the the couple doesn't seem to feel the need to express an unconditional love. And yet the relationships I see that I feel are very unhealthy or abusive are, there's all this talk about ride or die, unconditional love. I'll be with you forever. And it's like, how interesting that you seem to have to force this idea of never ending love. And yet your relationship is just seems so fucked up (laughs) and yet these people who i feel have very beautiful stable loving relationship don't need to force themselves to profess this undying love it's Mm. just it's there yeah there's nothing they don't have to constantly be proving it it's unspoken yeah or it's not uh, needed actually in the first place maybe because I don't know why, I guess. Maybe uh, people are more compatible than others. Uh, Do you have any idea why certain relationships work better than others? What is the basis for a good relationship, in your opinion? I, well, you have the aspect of compatibility, you know, similar core beliefs. Some people you just work with, some people you don't. So you, you have the aspect of who you are together, And then you have the aspect of who you are as individuals. Mm. So who you are as individuals, you might be at a one or both of you might be at a place in your life where being in a relationship is not going to work because of where you're at in life right now or being in a healthy relationship is not going to work because of where you're at with your own personal growth. Right. Or you might have two people who are ready to be in relationships, yet they they just don't work together. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as individuals, are these people, and I should probably stray away from the only two people in a relationship paradigm. I should be inclusive of. Oh, that's a good point. You we know, because there are re- there are relation there's triad relationships and sure. more than that. So. Are the individuals in a relationship, where are they at in their own personal growth? Can they show up in a relationship, in a space of relationship in a way that is empowering and loving and receptive? 
Are they willing to put in the work that a relationship takes? And then as a unit, all the individuals involved in the unit of the relationship, do they work together? You know, there's there's many people who I get along with great as friends and I'm even strongly attracted to, but being in a relationship with them would never work. Mm, yeah. You know? Yeah, interesting. Okay, so uh, you know, since you brought it up, and and I actually wanted to talk about that as well. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning that you are polyamorous. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? I, <laughs> I technically I identify as polyamorous, but as I was saying, it's <laughs> something that's been on my mind a lot because I, I feel like I'm I feel like I'm constantly getting myself into trouble with that label because. When I say I'm polyamorous, people have this vision of what that means. And I'm like, that's not what it, that's not how it plays out for me. So, uh, but yeah, I I do identify as polyamorous. Okay. So I'm guessing then the people who have problems with it have, haven't heard of the term or haven't been part of the community. Yeah. And they're just kind of uh, projecting or assuming what that means. Um, Well, no, no, actually even people with, Actually, it's funny you say that. I feel like it's more so people within the community. Really? Well, the polyamorous community is okay. So, a lot in my experience, my experience with the polyamorous community is people who a lot of people are they're going on dates a lot. They have you know multiple relationships, multiple lovers. There, there's just a constant their life revolves around relationship. There's just constantly some sort of relationship going on. Mm. And I'm not like that. (laughs) I get very overwhelmed. I'm, I, I only have so much energy to give out. Um, and so, yeah, I, I feel like when people hear that I'm polyamorous, they think that I'm, I'm, I constantly have You're looking. I'm look yeah, I'm looking. I'm a that's a good point. Like, oh, you're polyamorous. That means like, oh, we can hook up. And I'm like, just because I'm polyamorous doesn't mean I'm into you. Or maybe I am into you, but that doesn't mean I want to hook up with you right now, you know? Yeah. So so anyways, um yeah, I just because I'm polyamorous, it doesn't mean that I'm constantly having multiple lovers or I'm constantly Mm. going on dates or that I'm as comfortable going out with people as some of my other polyamorous friends are. Um, And the reality of it is I'm actually very reserved. It's like, okay, this Mm. is my favorite. Like when I, when I tell guys like I'm bisexual and they're like, oh my God, like when's the last time you hooked up with a girl? And I'm like, um, like a year ago, <laughs> like, yeah. they're like, "Oh, really?" Because they think they they hear, "Oh, I'm bisexual." I'm like, oh, "She's having sex with girls all the time." I'm like, "Actually, yeah. I'm not. Like, I, I, yeah. I'm not." Right? Yeah, so. <laughs> that makes complete sense. And also, polyamory doesn't mean that it has to be about sex either, right? right. I mean, it, you could be polyamorous with and and have sexual relations with one partner, and the other partner might be, for instance, just someone who provides you with emotional support or something right. like that right is that correct right okay um yeah i uh, ever since i uh, left my uh, you know original relationship and t- started exploring that i was uh, recently put in a position where i wanted to find out more about polyamory and open relationships and um what i found is that it's very easy to intellectualize those concepts i mean i read the books you know the ethical <laughs> slots and you know more than two and and i've talked to you know dozens of people and it makes complete sense and i i agree and i support that lifestyle but when it came to actually try to exercise uh you know the possibility of of having an open or uh, polyamorous relationship all kind of shit hit the fan because mm-hmm. I, you know, I guess I, what I'm trying to say is that uh, a lot of things that have been ingrained in me, you know, ever since, you know, in my upbringing uh, came out hard and uh, it hurts, uh, you know, feelings like jealousy and, you know, all the insecurities and all that stuff. So um, I guess one thing I, I'd say to people who are considering, uh, you know, any of these things, uh, like, you know, any of this lifestyle, like polyamory or open relationship, it really forces you to get your shit together. Oh, yeah. 
you cannot, yeah. you know, ignore uh, a lot of the, the you know, emotional uh, baggage or, you know, shortcomings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you really need to work and you really need to communicate a lot mm-hmm. and, and expect a lot of uh, bumps and mm-hmm. things like that. And even then, even, even after you do the work, sometimes it's still very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now I'm, I'm still, um, I feel like I'm more comfortable in, monogamous, uh, as in, in monogamy, but um, eventually I would love I would love to be um, to have the choice and choose out of love and not mm-hmm. fear mm-hmm. or insecurity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I am right now on that. Um, so, um, are you in uh, multiple relationships right now, or are you in any or none? Or no, not right now. Um, so I, um, for probably a couple years was very closed off. I don't even think I went on a date at all for a couple of years. Um, I basically got to a point where I just had gone through so many painful experiences in my relationships and my sex life that I just completely shut down and was terrified to do anything with anyone and it's probably been about six months since I've started coming out of that shell and what's interesting is during that two years I did a lot of personal work you know I was doing a lot some very deep self growth work and I thought, oh, well, when I do go back to dating, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have it all figured out, right? I'm going to know what I want. I'm going to be able to speak up for myself. I'm not going to get jealous anymore. <laughs> How fucking naive was I? Because yeah. <laughs> what ended up happening was, <laughs> was although I was doing the personal work, I wasn't able to do the work that comes from being in relationship. And so once I did start dating again, all that stuff came up. Yeah. All the stuff that I thought I was over that yeah. I thought, oh, I, I've done the work. But I, what I realize now is there's a whole nother set of work that comes from actually being in the relationship yeah. and having those things come up while you're in the relationship. So that makes sense. Yeah. Problems that have come up or have have become an issue personally for you th- uh, in in the space of being in a relationship can only be worked right. on or resolved right. in another relationship. Right. At least that's what I'm finding out right. even for myself. Right. God, yeah, relationships are just such a huge catalyst for transformation. Yes. And so anyways, I'm definitely within the past 6 months have been dating more than I probably have in my entire life, but uh, no, I'm not in a committed relationship or consistent lover, partner, anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, and yes, yeah, st- still, still trying to figure out the polyamory thing. It's really, it's, you know, I keep trying to figure out what to tell people when I do go out on dates with them because, I mean, I'm definitely not monogamous. But then when I say I'm polyamorous, they feel like, oh, she's going to be dating all these people while we're trying to get to know each other. And I'm like, that's not necessarily true, you know. Um, But then if I try and convey a more, if I try and convey like, oh, no, I am just going to focus on you. But then someone else I like comes along. It's just, it's just, it just gets really confusing. You know, how do you, how do you explain to someone on one hand, I am very loyal and I actually can entertain the idea of it just being us. And then on the other hand, I, I can't exactly promise that either. Right, right. No, that makes complete sense. And I do you feel that it's important for a couple that have just started dating to uh, stay together as a monogamous um, just for to get to bond first before introducing other people? Do you feel that... 
in your experience if you introduce someone too quickly to uh you know a, an already existing relationship would it cause problems immediately do you feel like it's a good idea to wait a little bit before introducing someone it all depends on the individuals mm. in, involved in that situation and where they're at in their lives at that point because there's times where there's times where that that could totally be true what you're saying and there's times where it's not really going to matter and it going back to like why I feel such a challenge explaining these things to people right now is because of that, because we get hung up on these rules. And, you know, like for example, like you were talking about reading the ethical slut, you know, you have, it's, it's like the textbook of polyamory, the Bible. Yeah. The Bible. <laughs> so we, we read all these books and we have like the textbook definition of all these situations and how things are going to go. But when you're actually in the moment, it doesn't matter how many books you've read. It's just what's going on in this moment. Who am I in this moment? Who is this person in this moment? And mm -hmm. it's so, I find it so difficult to say things, to to speak in absolutes, to yeah. say, oh, you know, no, we we definitely should not see other people for the first six months or we definitely should see other people for the first six months because, uh, because I think that's how it should be. Right. When you start speaking in absolutes and confining yourself to absolutes, you're bringing yourself out of the moment and that's where all the answers lie is within the moment. What's going on in this moment? Uh, excellent yeah, i love that yeah. yeah it's very true you're right um and every uh moment yeah will you know produce different results or needs or wants and uh yeah i totally agree with that uh communication 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 mm -hmm. right just mm -hmm. always keep talking to each other i think is very important you know um <laughs> I used to harp so much about communication and obviously yeah communication is in any Thing in life communication is important um but something i learned recently is easier said than done mm. once again yeah. i read all the books i know all the rules for communicating i know i'm supposed to be doing it and then when it came time to do it i didn't know how to do it mm. you know there have been those times where i just i didn't know how to communicate um so yeah, I I'm kind of I got kind of an ego check mm -hmm. recently because I just talk so much about communication. It's so important. Like, oh, I'm such a great communicator. And it turns out not always. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. So, okay, so you said that you uh, you've been dating a lot, but so far no relationships. Would you say that uh, the reason for that is that you've been uh, super busy with your life and your um, some of these things that you've been. Um, you know the, the sexual empowerment circle and then we also mentioned uh at the beginning uh the cock project and other things is that what you're doing mainly right now in school obviously mm -hmm, mm -hmm. can you talk about some of those uh, extracurricular activities what is the cock project just for people who are curious <laughs> that sounds <laughs> thank you the cock project uh was created by hazel yates and what it is is Hazel Yates was working on her PhD in human sexuality and the cock project was her dissertation. So she began touring the country doing this event called the cock project where she got men and women could come. But so you, you arrived to the event and then the men or the men who want to join in on the discussion sit in a circle in the middle and then the women sit on the outside and Hazel takes the circle of men through a group discussion about all sorts of questions involving their cock and being a man in our society and growing up with a cock and then the women just listen and then at the end the women kind of provide feedback on how you know incredible it was to experience that or what they got out of that whatnot so when I somehow got linked up with Hazel and she asked if or maybe I offered I can't remember which one one of us <laughs> suggested that we do the cock project here in San Diego and I helped her out you know getting the venue 
promoting that sort of thing. And it was a really incredible experience. I was really was stoked. Was it a good turnout? Yeah, yeah. I remember it happening, but uh, I don't know what I was doing at the time. I think it was uh, probably a conflict of, uh, you know, uh, I, I didn't have uh, time to go to it, but I, I was really interested. And is there uh, such a thing as a pussy or vagina project? Yeah, so she recently started My Pussy Project. Okay. She was going to call it the Pussy Project, but apparently that's already taken. So <laughs> so My Pussy Project. I I haven't been to one of those events yet. We talked about doing one here in San Diego. Uh, I'll probably have to get in touch with her about that. And... I, my understanding of it was it was similar to the cot project, just switch the woman on the inside, the men mm -hmm. on the outside. And yeah, so at the cock project, we had close to 50 people there. I think there were about 23 men inside the circle, okay. a few on the outside sitting with the women. And it was, it was just so awesome to witness a group of men speaking so openly and vulnerably about things that you usually don't hear men talking about. Can you give an example of one thing that kind of... Uh... So the example I always talk about because it was just so powerful for so many of us women to hear this was there was a question involving sexual abuse. So she said, how many of you have been touched without your consent and nearly every man raised his hand and then as they started talking about their experiences we just witnessed all these men talking about either growing up with sexual abuse happening to them or something that happened to them later on in life and one of the women at the end of the night when she was providing feedback said something that really explained how I think all of us women were feeling in that moment. And she said, you know, us women, we get so wrapped up in thinking that we're the victims in our society. You know, it, it's, it's, it, we're dealing with the patriarchy and we're dealing with sexual abuse and right. we're, we're dealing with getting attacked. And we forget that our brothers are going through it too. And there are so many men dealing with what we're dealing with as well. And I, f and she said, I just feel like we're, we're forgetting to come together. We're making all men, the, the perpetrators forgetting that many men in our society are the victims as well. Yeah. So that was really powerful. Yeah. Um, I can attest to that. I actually was a victim of uh, sexual assault as a kid when I was uh, 10, 10 years old. So it's my uh, geography teacher who, um, used to visit us at home. Um, well, I used to take, uh, because I was uh, French educated before I came to, uh, before I returned back to Egypt, I needed uh, a lot of help because everything was taught in Arabic. So my teacher used to come at home. And uh, yeah, so there was uh, a lot of incidences of uh, sexual abuse. So I, I totally relate. And also that, uh, something that comes with that is, um, you know, patriarchy shames men for uh, talking mm -hmm. about their feelings. Mm -hmm. And so you are, it's like adding insult to injury. You're being vilified, um, you know, as a man that, you know, usually they're the perpetrators. And also you're shamed uh, if you think about uh, talking about it. So I, um, yeah, yeah, I totally get it. Um, that's very interesting. And um, since a lot of, uh, my friends and uh, some of the listeners might be in the LGBT community. Um, would you say that uh, the cock and my pussy projects would be uh, uh, something, an event that's open to uh, gay, lesbians and trans people? Yeah. So definitely open to gay, you know, it's not just for heterosexuals is what I'm trying to say. We did run into a problem involving people who identify as a non-binary gender. There was a situation in which someone wanted us to change the name of the event because they felt it excluded non-binary genders. And 
I kept explaining, well, number one, it, it wasn't my event, so I couldn't change the name of it. Okay. But we kept explaining that in the description, it says, it specifically says, anybody who either has or has had a cock. Okay. So, yeah, because it, it, it's, it's not just, it's, it, it wasn't about being male. It was about having a cock. Okay. So if you have a cock or if you have <laughs> had a cock, okay, come join the circle. And I know Hazel in other cities that she's gone through has, was constantly experiencing backlash from right. the non-binary gender community. I think, yeah, I, there is a tendency to want to uh, specifically uh, include verbiage maybe that, uh, um, you, know, that you know, specifically talks about trans people so that they may feel welcomed. And that's, mm -hmm. I know it feels like an addition to something that it sounds like it's, it was already made clear, but uh, anyway, yeah, I, uh, I think you, you made it perfectly uh, obvious that it's for everyone. And, mm -hmm. and I hope that uh, for anyone who's listening, that if they're interested, um, you know, as you said, they're welcome. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Let's uh, switch uh, directions a little bit. Um, I want to talk to you about Tantra because you, um, I don't know if you mentioned it in the sexual empowerment circle, if I saw something on your Facebook feed, but are you uh, into Tantra? Have you studied Tantra? What is your experience with Tantra? So I, there is a Tantra teacher here in San Diego named Sean Roop. What is Tantra? Sorry. Maybe I, we should start just <laughs> okay, for those tantra. who aren't yeah, okay. familiar with that. My understanding of Tantra comes from my teacher okay. who practices the Mahamudra lineage lineage okay. in modern day time. <laughs> okay. Um Tantra became known in the West as having to do with sex. It you know, you have Sting talking about how he can go hours without coming and now everyone right. wants to learn about Tantra. But Tantra talks about everything. And I think the reason people are so attracted to it, it's attracted to what it has to say about sexuality, it's about sexuality is because it focus so, focuses so much on pleasure. In Tantra, not only is it okay to pursue pleasure, but it's the only way to live. You know, pleasure is seen as a, 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 a route that can connect you with the divine. Oh, I see. Pleasure is not just feeling good. It's it's connecting with the divine. So you mentioned Sean Roop is one of the teachers here in San Diego? Yeah, and he's pretty well known all over the country, actually. But the reason I, re I, the reason I started following Sean is because his teachings revolve around this idea that you are your own guru. I got wrapped up with a guru who in the end I realized was leaving me dependent on her mm. and it's a very dangerous place to be with Sean. I feel like he has empowered me to figure out the answers on my own. Mm. And he, with other gurus that I've followed, there's this kind of unspoken idea that, what they're saying is the absolute truth. And Sean from the very beginning was like, I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. I'm just sharing my experience with you. If mm. that resonates with you, great. If not, cool. Um, he's not offended if you disagree with him. He's not, a, he's not upset. Mm. If you challenge his opinions, he's simply saying, this is what I believe. If you don't, that's cool. And that was quite refreshing for me. And and in in general, why I have taken to Tantra so much is because there's this idea that Tantra is the rebel's path. 
And that doesn't mean that doesn't mean fighting against society. It means going through society, mm-hmm. walking your own path. So the rebellion does not take place by being resistant to what's going on. It takes place by moving in the direction of what's calling you, no matter who goes with you or doesn't go with you. And no matter who is at the end of that path, once you get there, it's just about doing what feels right to you and not worrying about how other people are living their lives. And that's something that's come up. I, I, I took Sean's counselor course back in October. So that was right before the election. And so I spent this whole month involved with this theme of j- j- do what's right for you. Don't, mm. sh- don't be mad at other people if they're not doing what you want them to do. They're, they're walking their own path, right? And when the election happened, I did not vote for Trump. I am not a Trump supporter. But the uproar that happened, I just sat there going, I don't have the desire to shame people for who they voted for. They're walking their path. And that's really frustrating sometimes because sometimes the path that people choose to walk hurts other people. And that really sucks. Mm. And I think that there should be a lot of awareness about that. And I think that there should always be a move for positive change. But I just didn't have it in me anymore to be mad at people because they didn't vote the way I voted. Right. Yeah. That's beautiful. I, I think you're, uh, you know, right on that point. It's very important that uh, we get caught up in. Actually, I mean, it's it's a form of judging, right? You're you're judging other people and you're projecting your needs on others. And uh, um, I recently have been listening to a lot of Alan Watts, which uh, <laughs> basically are you finding you like? Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> and I'm really digging the idea of uh, you know everything is in perfect balance. You know, d- no matter how much you know, evil you feel is, you know, in the world, there's always going to be something countering it. And it's uh, the idea of eliminating, uh, you know, something that you perceive as evil or bad is completely futile. futile. Because it's just part, you know, you can't have good without bad. You can't have, and I I don't want to use labels that, you know, I'm not implying that I'm good and other people are bad. That's actually the very point that i'm trying to make is that it doesn't matter you know what label you use there's always going to be opposing forces with everything so instead of worrying about that just let things play out the universe is unfolding as it should and you know you're playing your part other people are playing their part and everything is always going to be in harmony you just can't have one without the other it's just impossible and there's some sort of comfort that comes with that because once you kind of surrender yourself to that reality, then you can just really be present in the moment and enjoy life um, more or at least just um, be able to release some of that stress that comes with you know having to worry about things that you can't control. So um, yeah, I really like that idea. That's great. I think that's uh, probably a good point uh, in the podcast to uh, maybe have uh, uh, final words. Uh, do you have any questions for me or would you like to uh, discuss any other topics that <laughs> oh, are interesting? There's so to much I could discuss right now. I'm so, <laughs> like, I so, I'm so happy you started this podcast. Yeah, I guess you've been asking me questions this whole time. I haven't really gotten the chance to ask you questions. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna. I this is totally random, but this okay. is something that I love asking people, um, and it's about sex. So often, people you'll hear people say like, "Oh, I had amazing sex," or you know, that, that partner I had amazing sex with, or last night I had amazing sex. And I always wonder, what does that mean to you? What does amazing sex mean to you? Oh, wow, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a tough one. Uh, amazing sex to me I love you know when you're in the moment and you're you know staring at each other's eyes and you almost like forget that you're having sex you just you're so wrapped up in the moment that you are actually Mm -hmm. when things flow from you know 
one thing to another. I think that's probably when I have the most fun and pleasure. Mm -hmm. uh, it's probably the best way I can describe it. Mm -hmm. How about you? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, um, same here. I think amazing. Well, okay, I'll try to make it a little bit more personal. I think for me, amazing. Okay, so we've talked a lot tonight about how um, growing up, I, I struggled with feeling like my my body was just this thing for others to do what yeah. they wanted with it you know like my pleasure didn't matter and so for me amazing sex is when I feel like my partner is is deriving just as much pleasure from giving me pleasure as they are from me giving them pleasure mm. it's this mutual exchange of pleasure rather than just one person mm -hmm. getting it um i've slept with far too many people who acted like god forbid i want to get off <laughs> god forbid <laughs> that you have to put an effort to getting me off like i like i like the like i have had times where i've gotten like oh can you just like can you do this and this like like so yeah. much work you know so for me, a big one is um, damn. That's yeah. harsh. Oh, honey, oh I could gosh. tell you stories. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so nowadays, uh, for me, amazing sex has to do with feeling like I'm in the arms of someone who is really stoked about pleasuring me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, uh, yeah, that's definitely <laughs> it. I mean, it seems like such an obvious thing. <laughs> you but would think. Yeah, it's, it's, it eludes <laughs> so many people. Um, <laughs> anyway, so, um, yeah, it's interesting. Sex is, is very interesting. I think everybody should talk about it more. And uh, we should, uh, I, I, I was, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, people who listen to that podcast will, uh, would have uh, learned something new or maybe, uh, you know, uh, we're inspired to uh, to talk more about it or discuss it with others. Mm -hmm. So um, that's awesome. I'm so glad that you came and talked to me. Uh, I feel like we have a lot more to discuss. Oh, we could talk so for I, so I, I, long. I took like a lot of <laughs> mental notes of, of discussions uh, that we could have in the future. And yeah. uh, if you'd be willing, I'd love to have you back. Absolutely. And, uh, awesome. Thank you. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye, Nicole. Bye. <laughs> 